Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. a first-time guest, we want to say welcome. Welcome to Church Alive. It is an honor for my husband and I to lead and serve this house. And uh, we, we believe the local church exists to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. And we're in the middle of a relationship series right now. And I just want to take a moment. I've been doing it the last few weeks and just talk to why talking on this topic of relationships, of singleness, of marriage, of parenting, the reality is the world is in crisis. And we need strong men and women of God who hold true to the word of God, who do not, who are not compromised by the things of this culture, but know without a shadow of a doubt whose they belong to and who they will fight for. And so the relationship series is really, it exists to empower you in your relationships because the enemy knows that God cannot command a blessing where there's not unity. And so it is our heart to unify families, to unify children, to unify brothers and sisters in the house of God. And so why don't you stand? We're going to pray. I do have a, a very practical word on my heart for you today, but... In the last service, and I wasn't sure if I was going to do this now, but I was really passionate in the last service before we went into the notes. I've been sitting in the book of Luke the last four or five days, and I've just been slammed. Like, it's just been, Jesus' words are just beyond incredible. And I want to read out of Luke chapter 6, verses 46. And we sang about this today, by the way. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I feel like I can just leave. <laughs> Jesus said that. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. That is how you build a foundation. It is on hearing him, listening to his word, and obeying. That is how. It says, when the flood waters rise, because my friends, the flood waters will rise. The storms will come. If you are a Christian, we are not exempt from the storms of life. We are not exempt from the disappointments and the hardships. We are not exempt. The word of God tells us in John 16, in this world, we will have trials, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The storms will come. So when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. You know what I love about the Father before we pray and sit down? He is giving us the recipe 
He is giving us, He is giving us His Word so that when the storms come, our house, our lives, our world doesn't have to crumble down with it. You know, I'm thinking about our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine right now and all that is happening. And I know there are brothers and sisters in, the, in Russia as well. So we're not just praying for the Ukraine, we are praying for Russia. We are praying for a change of heart for those leaders. But I have seen videos upon videos over the last two weeks of uh, brothers and sisters of Christians singing their hearts out because they don't know what the next hour, the next day, the next week looks like, but they know who holds their future. And I want to ask the Western American church, do you know who holds your future? Is Christ enough for you? Or are we just chasing the blessings after blessings? Is Jesus Christ enough for you? Is he enough to satisfy that need in your heart because we don't know what happens as we walk out of this church today and are we ready to meet our maker is he enough for us oh, I pray that gets seared and sealed in your heart because the truth of the matter is in this culture in America we run after the accolades of life and yet so many people are still left empty and dry Father, we commit this moment to you. We commit these people, those in person, those online. We commit your sons and daughters here in this nation, this great nation of America, and also to all the nations in the world, even the nations that we're not hearing of the wars, in Africa, God, in, in, in Asia, God, in Europe, God, we lift up your sons and daughters and say, God, would you have mercy? Would you have mercy? Thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. Your mercies are new every morning. And Father, forgive us for when we take it for granted. Forgive us when we don't take your word at its word. Forgive us when we build a foundation on our own agendas instead of what you are asking us to do. Oh, Father, forgive us. For sometimes we know not what we do. But in this moment, we crown you king. And we say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done in America as it is in heaven, in Russia as it is in heaven, in the Ukraine as it is in heaven, in the nations of Africa as it is in heaven. Lord, may your will be done in my household as it is in heaven. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. And the church alive said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I know it's a little different from a relationship series that we're used to doing, but... I just felt like the Holy Spirit over the last three or four days has been telling me to sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Christ does not exist to satisfy our desires. We exist to satisfy his. We exist to glorify him. And today I'm going to preach a message that some of you will be tempted to disconnect 
Those exactly who this message is for will be tempted to disconnect. But I implore you, would you lean in? Because I believe that any word that is preached from the word of God, there is something, a treasure, a truth, something that is for you. And so whether you're a young person in here or whether you're 180 in here, there is a word for you, I believe, in due season. So when I tell you the theme, don't be like, "Eh, I'm out. You know, no, this is for everyone. And what I want to talk about today is a season I would dare say is the most important time in a person's life. I want to say today that this season I'm going to be speaking about is a time of preparation. It's a time of building a right foundation. So when you go into your next season, it's not already collapsing. I want to talk about a season of growing, seeking, stretching, risking, serving. In this season that I want to talk about, I believe for many people there is pain, discouragement, and despair attached to this topic I'm going to break into today. I believe there's also others in this season who are reckless in these seasons. For others, there's bad patterns and bad mindsets attached to this season. And others who are supposed to have graduated to the next season actually are still living in this season. You're like, Pastor Miriam, what are you talking about? I want to talk about singleness. If you're married, I want to talk to you today about singleness as well. Because why is there so much adultery in marriages because some people who are married are still acting like they're single why is there so much divorce in the world and in the church because a lot of people who were supposed to have graduated from being single to being in covenant with another human is now still acting like they're single I think a lot of unhealthy mindsets we have regarding singleness has to do with misconceptions we have both about marriage and singleness. And I preached a message similar to this many years ago. I'm going to pull up some of the notes I used because I believe that many years when I spoke on this, these are still the misconceptions we find in the church and in the world regarding singleness. The first one, I'm going to go through these real quick because I got a lot to talk to you about today. So number one, misconception. I know none of you are surprise. Number one, I won't be fulfilled unless I get married. The truth is marriage is not life's ultimate purpose. Knowing Jesus and fulfilling what he has created you to do is. Check Check out Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, in your presence, there, in his presence, it's there, there, nowhere else. It's there, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yet we see people in the church, outside of church, looking for fulfillment in everything else instead of in his presence. The misconception, I won't be fulfilled unless I get married, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Number two, misconception, marriage will fix me. 
The truth is your spouse is not responsible for your happiness or your growth. We just sang a song that despite the chaos all around me, despite the issues in my family, I can have a peace in my heart. You see, peace is not exterior, it is interior. It is not a thing, it is a person. And his name is Jesus. And if you are looking to your spouse to bring you happiness, you will live a very frustrated life because happiness is only in one person and his name is Jesus. If you are looking to broken people to fill you, you will continue living unfulfilled. Tell you what, if you're grumpy before you get married, you're gonna be grumpy after you get married. <laughs> Let's just be real. You know, in marriage, your own personal commitment to Jesus is your responsibility because it is in that commitment to Jesus that you will grow, that you will transform, that you will be sanctified. What is sanctification? Such a fancy word. It means you're set apart. Listen to me, single people. You may not be in covenant with someone right now, but you are in covenant with Jesus. And how you live when you go out with your friends, remember that you are in covenant with Jesus. So how you talk, how you dress, how you walk, all matters. So often, unless you're married, then, oh, I'm in covenant with someone. No, if you're single and you are in relationship with Jesus, you are in covenant with Jesus. And how you live outside of these four walls is how important it is that you carry Jesus, the witness of what you carry Jesus. You hear stories of married people acting like they're single in, in different places, people in workplaces. Like, what are you doing? You are in covenant. It is a serious promise. And nowadays, everything is taken so lightly, but God does not take marriage lightly. He does not take covenant lightly. We need to lean into the seriousness of covenant because where there is an honor of covenant, there is blessing. Number three, misconception. People who are married love being married. The truth is marriage is a blessing. I mean, it is a blessing, but why is it that so many people struggle to stay married? If marriage was the happily ever after that all the movies and the songs tell us about, then why do more than 50% bounce from their marriages? Number four, this is one I brought up a few years ago. Misconception, marriage will solve my loneliness problem. Mm-mm. Do you know there's a whole study, you can put that up on the screen, it's really long, so I don't know if I'm going to have time to read it. There is a study that all people, 20% of the population have chronic loneliness issues. You can put the big quote up, Jonathan. There's a, sorry, 20% of the population have chronic loneliness. 80%, I'm sorry, 62% of those are married. It does not matter if you are married or not loneliness is a condition of the soul. So if your identity is in Christ, you can be married or be singled and have companionship. But marriage does not fix the loneliness problem that so often we are trying to fill. And there is a whole thing on it with psychology today, a huge study that they did on it. More people in marriages are lonelier than people who are single. 
misconception. Two incomes means more money. Well, depends on who you're married to. <laughs> All right, because two people means more expenses, more needs, and different spending habits. I know people like years ago, like, oh my gosh, my, my husband makes so much money, or I'm gonna go to the mall, and like, there's like no budget, so they're blowing all their budgets, and everyone's like, what's going on? I thought it was more money. No, it just means more expensive, more expenses, more bills, and that's how important it is to become one, learn, get on the same page, get budgets. It'll take some time, but you'll get there. Number six, misconception. If I'm not married, I'm not enough, I'm incomplete. Straight lie from hell. The truth is you are made and whole and complete in Christ alone. Colossians 2 verses 9 through 10 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Number seven, misconception. Everyone who is married can accomplish more. The truth is you can accomplish as much as you set your mind to both in singleness and in marriage. I want you to think about some of the greatest heroes of all time. Jesus was single. Nehemiah was single. John the Baptist was single. The great apostle Paul was single. Mary Magdalene was single. I mean, you name it, they were single. And then there was amazing people who were married that were doing work for the kingdom. It doesn't matter what season of life you are in. You can give God all the glory with what you are able to lay down. It doesn't matter what your status is. What matters is your heart condition. Next misconception, I can't do this on my own. The truth is God's grace is enough. Second Corinthians 12, nine, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This last one, marriage will solve my lust problem. If you had a lust problem before, a piece of metal on your finger and a piece of paper saying that you're married will not change that. Marriage doesn't make your lust problem stop. It is coming and getting freedom in Christ, accountability around men and women who want to see you move forward, accountability around your phone, around your internet. It doesn't matter what was before. It will follow you in the future if you don't decide to receive the freedom that Jesus Christ came to give you. It is a process of sanctification and marriage doesn't fix you. It actually exposes you. It prunes you. It like hurts sometimes because your self is dying. Your selfishness needs to die in order for marriage to move forward. Your joy, your purpose, your life is not connected to whether you are married or not. If we look to a person or to a status to complete us, we will always live frustrated. You know, as a pastor for many years now, we often see single people wishing they were married, and that is not a bad thing. It actually is a good thing to pray and, and prepare for marriage, but we also see our fair share of married people still acting single, and our fair share of married people wishing they were single. Question for the married people in here, have you graduated from singleness? When you are at work, 
Have you graduated from singleness when you are out with your boys or with the girls? Have you graduated from singleness? Are you honoring the covenant that you said that you would honor when you single people are together and hanging out? Are you honoring the covenant of your relationship with Jesus to be not transformed by the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus? You know, the first thing God created was not marriage. It was a man. It was an individual. Singleness is one of the most important times of your life. The space in which you are not responsible for anyone else except yourself. And most of us negate that season in trying to get to a preferred future that we don't know about. I pray that many of our marriages are happy and flourishing, and, but based on statistics, half of them are not. And half of them end. We have to get to the root of the problem. And the problem is it starts with me. It starts with you. It's the individual. It's, it's getting ourselves healthy and bringing a healthy me into my marriage, a healthy me into my parenting, a healthy me into my relationships. And I pray that if your marriage is in here is hanging by a thread, that by the end of this service, you would have renewed hope because Jesus can breathe hope where things are dying. He is the best at bringing to life things that are dead. If you need a resurrection in your marriage, if you need a resurrection of hope, if you need a resurrection, resurrection of whatever it is that is dying within you. I want to tell you you're in the right place because Jesus is here. He is in the room and when he is in the room, dead things come to life. And so if your marriage is on the brink of divorce, I want to tell you there is hope. There is hope. Now two correct mindsets about both singleness and marriage. Number one, it's a gift. Well, which one is a gift, Pastor Miriam? Both. Both. Both are a gift. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. As long as you are single, it's a gift. So treat it like a gift and not like a burden. If you are married in here, that is a gift. So treat it like so and not like it's a burden. So many people treat marriage like it's a burden. Oh, I got to communicate. Oh, I, you know, women, oh, I have to have sex with my husband. Oh, I have to make a budget. Or, oh, oh. No, we get to be in relationship. We get to honor one another. We get to esteem one another. We get to be kind to one another, just like Christ in his goodness has been kind to us. How much is the church like Christ when we love our neighbors like he's loved us? Isn't that the greatest testimony and the greatest witness of all that when someone does us wrong, we love them anyway? That is the greatest witness of all. It's not being kind because someone is kind. It's not being kind because someone's easy to be kind. Sorry, because someone's kind back. No, it's being kind even when they're not kind. Kind when they're annoying. Kind when they hurt us. Kind when they offend us. That is the love that Christ encourages and commands us to love with. It's not love when it's easy. It's love when it's hard. And dang, sometimes it's hard so much easier to part ways, isn't it? You go that way, I go this way, my peace. Yeah, that sounds good, but that's not kingdom. You know, counselors tell us that the death of a loved one is easier to bear than divorce. That it's easier for someone to bury their spouse than it is to sign a divorce paper at times. And that the hurt and the pain that goes through that will take sometimes years of repair. 
But I want to encourage you today that if that is your story, we have a God who is turning the page for you. That your next page will not be a page filled with despair, but it will be a page filled with hope and peace. Because it's not our circumstances that determine our hope or our peace. It is the person who is writing the pages of our story. Singleness is a gift from God because it's the time God gives you to work on you. It is the time for for you to have fun. It's a time to study. It's a time to take risks. It's a time that he has given us to work wholeheartedly for him. Now, if you are dating and you're hearing all this good stuff about singleness and you've been dating for a while, this part is not for you. Because if you are dating and she's a Christian or he's a Christian or whatever it is and it's going well, then get married. Because marriage is a blessing. There is amazing things that come from marriage. I've been married 18 years. Best decision of my life. But I'll tell you what, we had to work. We had to work hard to be on the same page, to be committed to oneness and to be committed to unity. We had to say sorry like more than a million times. Mostly him. No, just kidding. <laughs> Lots of times me. Trust me. I mean, I have a... Rah, rah, rah. I don't... Sometimes I'm like, shut up, Miriam. You know, he didn't say that. I have to say that to me. <gasps> Jesus is still working on me. Hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) But he's had to say sorry, okay? (laughs) You know, marriage isn't better or worse than singleness. The two are just different gifts in two different seasons. And I hate the way I've seen single people treat their singleness and how I've seen married people treat their marriage. They're both gifts. And if we treat it differently than a gift, it'll be exactly what you treat it like. If you treat it like a burden, it's going to be a burden. If you treat it like a gift, it's going to be a gift. It's your choice. Number two, a secure identity in Christ makes you secure for all seasons. Insecurity breeds so much damage to a relationship. If your identity in Christ is solid, if you know who he says you are, so if you're a single mom, if you are just single, if you are dating, if you are married, if you're a parent, regardless of what season, I'm gonna be really transparent with you. I struggle sometimes with mom guilt. Any other moms? Like not being enough? Like I have like a friend of mine, she's a phenomenal mom. I mean, you should see the birthday parties and the sleepovers and the crafts. And I'm like, I'm just not there. Like, I just, I see her Instagram reel. I'm like, why do I suck? Oh my gosh, I'm not enough. And I'm like, shut up, Miriam. Stop comparing yourself. And that's the truth. Comparison is a trap of the enemy. And so if you seek comparison through someone else's highlight reel, you'll never feel enough. But if you know that Christ is enough and he is the one that you are his image bearer, then you will be confident and secure. And guess what you don't need to do? Consult your feelings for who you are. Please don't let your children tell themselves or who who they are. You see, we were created. So we get to discover who we are through our creator. We don't choose who we are. We discover who we are. Like this whole like asking kids, like, who do you feel you are? No, I don't let my kids pick their own TV show. No, 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 no. The heart is deceitful. Our flesh is a mess. And so for us to consult our feelings, whether I should be faithful today or not, whether I should turn the porn on or off. No, 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 we don't consult our feelings. The flesh is not our Lord. We consult the power of God. That is the power to overcome sin in our life. That is who we consult. That is who we consult. Be 
be alone with the Lord long enough to let him sear and seal who he says you are. I am a child of God. I am chosen, appointed, and anointed. I am the mother that God's called me to be to my children, even though I'm terrible at crafts. (laughs) I am the mother that my children have because God said that I would be that mother. Next point. This is more for single people. Actually, you know what? No, this is for everybody. Seek a whole life as a single person, but seek a whole life as a married person. If you go into a marriage, again, this is all like society and culture. It's always like, oh, you complete me. Oh, we love those movies, right? Like, oh, you com- you had me at hello. Oh my gosh. And the truth is like, no man should complete you. The only person that should complete you is Jesus. And so when we live based on these movie lines, when we live based on these songs, then we will have a completely warped view of what marriage really is. Oh, my man don't talk to me like Jerry Maguire talks to his girl. Or my man don't talk to me like the guy from The Notebook, I keep forgetting his name. That guy, Ryan, that guy. And like, here's the thing, the majority of the men, sorry guys, love y'all. Thank you for you. We're building a great transform men movement here. You guys are not that romantic and that's okay. Not everyone can be at Sheeran. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? But, and so women, we, we put these expectations on our husbands, on those that we are dating. And we're like, oh, they fall short. I'm not in love because he doesn't make me feel the butterflies. No, we don't live by our feelings. We live by our commitments, by our covenant, by the word of God and who he says we are. That is what we live by. I already mentioned being aware of the trap of comparison. It's a terrible trap that keeps us stuck in ungratefulness. Man, if we would just be a little bit more grateful in our season, whatever season that you are in. And I know for some of you, these seasons are hard. If you are a single mama in here or a single dad, I want to tell you there's, there's peace for you. There is fulfillment for you. You know, there is a single mom in the Bible. Her name was Hagar. And she was banished to the wilderness. She was like kicked out of her home, rejected, abandoned, left to be on her own with some water, perhaps a horse, donkey, I don't know what they rode at that time, and her son. And she was sitting by a tree and the Lord looked upon her and he said, Hagar, I see you. I hear you. You're not alone. I will bless you, Hagar. And so often we look at the story of Hagar and Ishmael and we're like, oh, they're the ones that, you know, like Abraham used her to disobey and Sarah. And so we treat her like, oh, Hagar. No, Hagar was a single mama and she was hurting and she was rejected and she was abandoned. And the Lord looked upon her with love and kindness. And he said, I will take care of you. And so single moms, if you are in here, single dads, if you are in here, the Lord will take care of you. The Lord will take care of you. But we need to learn to be content even in the hard seasons. Oh, it's hard, right? It is hard to get up and say, God, I give you praise. God, I give you glory. God, I am so thankful. It is hard sometimes when we don't like the season we're in, when we've been waiting for years, when we've been waiting for that man, when we've been waiting for that girl to just show up. 
flowing through the sanctuary and just with those heels. Like we've been waiting. It's hard to be grateful when we've been waiting, but stop waiting and start living. Start living in the purpose God has for you. Stop waiting. Start living for his glory in covenant with God. I mean, sometimes you got to see how the sisters sometimes are in the church. They're like, oh, look at that boy who just walked in. But then you know what's funny? It's always the sisters who are busy serving who wind up. Be busy. Be hidden in God. So hard that they have to go find God to find you. Don't just live waiting, live purposely. Choose well. If you're single, choose well. Choose someone you don't have to stop running the race for. What race? The, the good faith. The race of good faith. The race that he's called us to. The, the race of living for his glory. The race of building his kingdom. If you have to stop to be with someone because they're not about that life, maybe they're not for you. Choose someone you don't have to compromise your faith or values for. Be with someone who wants to chase God with you. Now, this does not mean they have to be perfect. It just means they have to be on a journey of surrender, a journey of transformation, a journey of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior in a life to bring him glory. This one might sound funny, but date someone who has a job. It's the first thing God gave Adam. Gave Adam a job. I know someone who's a little bit younger and they're like, hey, you know, when's a good idea for me to date this person? When you can drive and have a job and can pay for her date and I don't have, this person doesn't have to give you the money for it. Did I just blow it? <laughs> if you need your mom to give you 50 bucks to go on a date, you're not ready to date. If you need a chaperone to drive you to that movie theater, you ain't ready to date. I'll tell you what you might do. You might break hearts. Maybe break your own. Learn manhood and womanhood. Grow. Grow in the Lord. Learn to honor the opposite sex like Jesus honors them. So that when you are in relationship with someone, you honor them and don't hurt them and tear it down or, or you don't take advantage of them. There's so many people taking advantage of people in the world, using people for sex, using people for different things. Man, may we honor one another. May we honor one another. I do have a hard question to ask those of you who are single and maybe even those of you who are married and don't have kids. This is not an easy question and it's okay if you're not ready yet to answer the way that I hope you might one day. What if you never get married one day? What if that is not what is prepared for your future? You can pray for it. You can prepare for it. You can believe for it. But what if, what if that's not in the cards for you? Will you live the rest of your life bitter, resentful, angry at God, disappointed at God? Or will you trust the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith to know that he knows best? How will you answer that? 
What if marriage is not what God has planned for you? Will you have regretted the way you lived? Will you have wished you would have taken more risks? Will you have wished you were more grateful and learned to live your life, not waiting for marriage, but living for His glory? And some of you need to settle that in your heart today. It's very easy to look at someone who maybe is not as grateful, who's maybe a pain in the butt, and like, how come they got married? I, I ask that stuff all the time. I'm like, how did that happen? You know what I mean? And, but the truth is we don't know. We are not the judge. God is the one who orchestrates life. And we have to say, God, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I, I choose to be content in, in whatever you have for me, God. And God, yes, I want the desires of my heart, but more than that, can I graduate from my desires to God? What are your desires for my life? Can we, can we become mature Christians where, you know, for so long as new Christians, we chase the blessings of God, which are awesome. They are amazing. I love the blessings of God. But can we get to a point in our faith where it's less about us and more about Him? When will we get to that point? Oh God, I live for your glory. God, can we stand to our feet? I said a lot. So whatever, you take whatever you need to from that. But I pray that you can settle whatever it is you need to settle in your heart. I pray that where there needs to be transformation, which wake up call until the day that Jesus comes or until the day you meet him through another means, you will need to go through a series of transformation. Right when you think you got one thing right, next time you're gonna figure out another thing you gotta get right. So we're always a work in progress. But today I just, I wonder how many of you have not treated the seasons that you are in with gratitude singleness, marriage, maybe parenting or lack of parenting. And, and today I pray more than anything that everyone will leave this place saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you hold me in the palm of your hands. Thank you that my future is secure in you. Thank you that the rain will come, the storms will come, the earthquakes will come, the wars will come, but I remain in you. Come hell or high water, I will stay in the house. I will serve the Lord. I will give my life to the King. Come hell or high water, nothing is taking me away from you, Jesus. You are my King. I'm in covenant with you. I worship you. I praise you. I thank you, you are good, you are good, you are good, you are Lord, you are Father. Come on, do you believe that? Father, we worship you. We thank you that in you we find fulfillment. That in you we are complete. We are thankful and grateful for every season thankful even for the trials and the hardships and the crisis. Father, we are, we sing your praises in every season. I worship you. You know, I want to invite people in this place. If you haven't been in covenant with Jesus, and that just simply means receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receiving Him for the forgiveness of sins. It's basically saying, God, I tried it my way, but my way didn't get me anywhere. I want your kingdom to come, your will to be done in my life. 
If today you're telling me, hey, I want to be in relationship with Jesus because I, I want to go on this journey that will bring the fulfillment I was created to experience. If that is you, would everyone just bow your heads for a moment? Close your eyes. If that's you, if in this moment you're saying, hey, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to place my faith in Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. And if that's you all across this room, would you just shoot up your hand for a second so I could see it, so I could pray for you? Yep, I see that hand there. I see that hand there. I see those hands hands back there, all those hands there, these hands right here in the middle. I see that hand over there, sir. Thank you so much. I see this hand here. I see that hand there. I see all your hands. So what we're going to do, we're going to put your hands down one more time because I want to see it again. And I want you to lift it up real high on a count of three. On a count of three, you're going to say, yep, that's me. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you placing your faith in Jesus, yep, I see all your hands. That's incredible. That's amazing. So God be all the glory. That's amazing. Keep it up for another second or two. Come on, everybody, repeat after me. We're gonna just say a prayer, just welcoming Jesus into our hearts and asking Him for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, thank You for sending Jesus to be Lord and Savior of the world. Today, I receive Him as my personal Lord and Savior. I ask You, God, that You would forgive me of my sins Today, I give you my life. I surrender my own agenda and I live for your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for those people who raised their hands?